grateful to be here today to share with you from this from the Word of God and want to uh, speak to you today on the ministry of the church, the teaching ministry of the church. And the first passage I want to look at is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. And beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people which are around you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord be thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. And then skipping over to verse 20 through 25. And when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, What meaneth the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded you? Then shall you say to thy son, We are... We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great sore upon Egypt and upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, and he might bring us in to the land, give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord thy God for our good always, and he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe and do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. Now the reason I wanted to share with you a passage from the Old Testament about teaching is I think we need to understand that God's people have always been responsible for telling the message about God's love and what he's done for them. And that's a session in the Old Testament. And there's another one that you could look at. Whenever they cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land, uh, they were told to pick up stones, 12 stones out of the River of Jordan. And then... They were to build a monument. And whenever their children would say, what does these stones mean? It would give you an opportunity to tell what God had done for you. Now, I'm going to go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying... And I want to emphasize that passage of saying. Then in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Notice again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 
or the end of the age. Then from Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I want to begin with verse 11 and read through verse 15. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, who all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man and to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and by cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for opportunities to share from your word. Help us to accept the responsibility that we have as the church of God to teach the people of God to share the message of your love and goodness with the world. Bless this time together and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I tried to construct this in a way that, uh, with points, because what I want to do now, if you understand the Bible teaches that we have a teaching responsibility, I want to share with you some examples of what I have observed in life. And I want to do that by putting it in some statements and then some comments about those statements. Uh, sometimes it's called pegs to hang your thoughts on. So I hope that it'll help you to remember. The first thing I want to say is that the teaching ministry of the church should be a caring ministry. If you don't care for people, you don't need to have that responsibility in the church. I remember when I was at one church there was a group of young men that were not involved in the activities of the church. Their wives were, their children were. But one of the deacons came to me and said, you know, God has put those young men on my heart and I want to start a class just for them. And I said, I'll do all I can to help you. And he did build a strong class from those young men. Now here's what you need to know. Every Sunday, he would be in that Sunday school class. If nobody came, he stayed in that Sunday school class and he prayed for those men. He sent cards to them and let them know of his concern. When I left there a few years later as a pastor, that was a strong class. And I realized that probably the only problem that would happen was if they ever tried to change the teacher because there had been a bond between them and I don't think anything but death would separate it. He loved those men. I was going through some things. I'm kind of sorting through my life, and uh, I've got a box that has uh, cards and letters and things. And a few days ago, I came across a letter from, uh, it was called Juniors back then. She was a junior teacher for several years. She and her husband had moved to Indianapolis because of job, uh, his job. And uh, she wrote me a letter telling me of her concern about our church. And her goal was 
that each one of those children would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before they left her class. I don't know of many that did not accept Christ as Lord and Savior while they were in her class. That was her goal because she loved the people. Now, whenever you love people, you'll find that they will love you in return. And that was the example there. The teaching ministry of church should be a disciple-making ministry. If you remember in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it said, and make disciples of all nations. I think we get messed up whenever we try to separate evangelism, discipleship, and uh, it's all about disciple-making. I think you could divide... Uh, the process in the four phases of discipleship. First of all, there's the information phase. Whenever you're going out to these homes and handing out material about uh, salvation through Jesus Christ, that's the information. Because faith comes by hearing. And we need to tell the story so that they could have faith in Jesus Christ and accept Him as Lord and Savior. I don't think a person in the church should have the option of opting out of the Bible study. There was a guy by the name of Leon Kilbreth that used to do Sunday school revivals. He would come into a church and whenever he left, they would have a strong emphasis on uh, evangelism, but it was all th through the Sunday school. And he would have every member of that church put on a Sunday school role. Now you have to understand the, the difference between focusing on attendance and focusing on enrollment. When I was in Louisville as pastor, I did a study. And the churches that were running about 40 to 50% of their enrollment in the Bible study, they were the churches that were growing. If a church reached 70% of their enrollment in attendance, they were plateaued or declining. You know what it meant? Enrollment is nothing in the world but a prospect list for you to work on. A prospect list for you to work on. Sometimes that's the only one in the church, and sometimes that's not even one. I was in a church just recently and noticed that uh, uh, the enrollment on a board and then I looked around and counted the people, and it was just about what was there. You know what that told me? That church wasn't trying to reach outside the walls of the church. Because the enrollment tells you the people that you're working with trying to reach for Christ. I think it should be a disciple-making ministry, and I think uh, it should not be optional for church members. It should be expected that to be a part of it. You know, it's kind of amazing to me that we don't have a standard for our Bible study program. You know what I mean by standard? Something that we want to accomplish. Usually what it is, we go to somebody and say, would you teach this class for this next year? And if you go in there and be pretty much regular, 
And you will read that scripture and make a few comments after they talk about the ball game and everything, you know. Um, that's acceptable. But it should not be. What we make important, we give emphasis to. And we should have, should accept the responsibility of the teaching ministry that we've been given. It should be a priority of the church. It should be a priority of the church. I know we get uh, programs from uh, International Mission Board. We get uh, stuff from the North American Mission Board. You get stuff from the KBC. You get stuff from Oneida. You get stuff from, and it goes on and on. All of that is good stuff. But I think it's time the church realized we can't do everything. And if you focus on one thing and do it well, I think it will take care of all the rest. And I think the Bible study should be a priority. Did you ever realize that the world holds us to a higher standard than we hold ourselves? They expect more from us. And I think that's one reason that they consider us a joke. It's because of the standard that we have for our life. Sometimes there's, there's no difference. And there should be a difference. There should be God working in us. I started to tell you about the phases of disciple making. First of all, is God for us? Because you know, there are people out there that think God is out to get them. And what they need to understand that God loves them and He's for them. And the best life that they can have is the life that He has for them. They will just accept Him as Lord and Savior, repent of their sins, and begin to uh, work in His church. The next is God with us. You probably remember that little poem about footprints in the sand. There comes a time that we establish that relationship with Christ, and wherever we go, He goes with us. He goes with us. Sometimes He walks beside us and sometimes He carries us. But then the third phase is one that the Christians have a tendency to want to ignore. And that's the transformational dimension. Where God begins to do a work in you and He points out the things that are wrong in your life. And if you're obedient to Him, confess them, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. However, what happens if you do not confess those sins and get forgiveness, and you're a Christian, I think you have to pay for them here. And the only hell that we'll know is the one that we create for ourselves here in this life. And then there is the there's Christ for us, God with us, God in us, and then God working through us. And that's the maturity phase where you reach a point that God is beginning to use you in the process of bringing others to Christ. So it needs to be a priority in the church. It should also have a standard to strive for. Now let me share what I mean by standard. Uh, whenever we're talking about Bible study, you say, well... What do you teach? Oh, we teach the Bible. Oh, boy, that's a big scope. 
I think there are some practical things we need to teach them. Number one, be consistent in your commitment to the church. In other words, show up. Be consistent in it. And that means if you're a teacher, set the example. Be consistent. You, If you're a member of a class, support the class. Be a part of it. Participate in what's going on. Teach them to make much use of the Bible. Church that I'm a member of now, pastor always says, if you'll take your copy of God's Word in turn. See, he's expecting all of us to have a copy. Now, I think there's a, you know, I'm using the King James mainly because when I was in Henry County, I started using that exclusively because our churches in Henry County they won't let you in if you have anything else but the King James. Now, I grew up on a King James, but when I do my devotions, I use the Amplified Bible. And we could talk about that. When I was teaching, one of the students asked me, Dr. Orange, what's the best version of the Bible? You know what I told him? The one you will read. Because it doesn't matter what you got if you're not reading it. If you got something and you're reading it, then God's Word will get into your heart and begin to make a difference in your life. Teach them to study. I think it's important that they understand that through the week you're supposed to be studying the Bible. In the Sunday School Quarterly, there's always the daily Bible study that you use. I think it'd be good for the teachers to emphasize something from that daily Bible study or ask, did you notice in your daily Bible study this week uh, this? And you might say something about it in your class because what you're telling them is it's expected for Christians to read and to study the Bible. You know, if you're going to be a car mechanic, I grant you, you'll have to take some training. There's two things that the church fails and training, and that's training people to live the Christian life and training them to uh, about the Christian marriage. Those things we just really don't do much for, and then we wonder why things turn out the way they do. Then teach them to worship, because whenever they come in off the streets, they don't understand what goes on. You have to teach them to worship. When I was in Louisville, I had this lady that if a new person came in, uh, she would make it a point to go and see them and say, would you like to sit with me today? When I was in Mayfield and attended a Sunday school class, we had a new couple that came in, and I went over and said, uh, are you new here? And they said, yeah, we moved to town. And I said, well, would you like to sit with us for during the worship service? Because, see, I was expecting them to attend the worship service. They said, yes, we'll be glad to sit with you. They sat with us, and the last time I talked with the man, he brought that up, the fact that I was instrumental in them becoming a part of that church. Because I said, would you come and sit with us during worship? I know of a pastor, whenever a new person joined the church, he would have his wife to come up and stand beside them and People come around and shake hands. I thought that was nice. 
but I thought it'd be much better if you'd have a Sunday school teacher that they would be in class with. Say this is expecting them to begin to attend the Bible study of the church. Have them to come up. And if you have other members of the Sunday school class are there, have them to stand. Say these are folks that you're going to be working with as you journey through this life. So teach them to worship. Teach them to tithe. Most, most people don't understand that. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that seems to be a joke until you practice it. You find out it's truth. It is truth. Teach them to begin to serve. Outreach. Some people used to talk about, I'm not interested so much in outreach as I am in reach. Well, folks, if they're not there, it's outreach. I don't care if they're on your church roll or if they're, they're not. It is outreach. So those are the things that I would say need to be part of the standard. Teach those six things and you'll find that Years ago, you know that you people have been in Sunday school, you know what I have just covered has been the six-point record system of the Lifeway. It should be organized for effectiveness. It should be organized for effectiveness. I think there should be an instructor call him a teacher, but I don't think he should do everything else. I think that should be his job. That's a great responsibility. And he should go through some training. One of the best training programs that I knew of during my time of ministry was the one we had at West Broadway. My administrative assistant was the director of the adult Sunday school department. Now, on Wednesday night, she had all the adult teachers to meet, and they prepared their lesson together. And she had made an assignment. She, I want you to bring a good way we can introduce this and get people's attention in teaching this lesson. Someone else, she'd say, I want you to study the scripture and tell us the meaning of the scripture passage. And the third person would say, she'd say, I want you to tell me how this can be applied in everyday life. They would get together and study together. We could call off church and that group would still get together because they enjoyed studying the Bible together. And they were some good teachers that came out of that. I've always thought it'd be nice if a pastor would do the scripture portion of it, but he'd have a tendency to preach, I think. That might mess it up. <laughs> So there should be an instructor, and I think besides the things that I've covered in the standard, he should be training somebody to take his place. He should have an assistant, and he teaches them everything that he knows, and I'll tell you why a little bit later. All of these, these four positions in the Bible study team, the instructor, the administrative assistant, that's the one that keeps the records. I was doing it using some of this material in a conference, an associational event. And whenever I talked about keeping records, 
One guy spoke up, he's a preacher, and said, uh, you can't make a disciple by having him check a number. Well, you have to understand there's different reasons for numbers. The reason the church needs to have good records is because those records tell us how effectively you're teaching those to meet the standard. And I think all of them need to be taught by not just the pastor, not just the teacher, but all the people in that class should be aware of those standards and then try to help the people coming in live up to those standards. And there should be a care leader. That person is the one in the class that kind of keeps up with the members. If anybody's sick, uh, they send them cards to make the class aware to pray for them might start a prayer chain, but they would be the person to take care of the needs. If it's something that the pastor needed to know, he could share that, they could share that with him. And then there's the outreach leader, and they are the person that's looking for people and trying to get them to participate. Let me tell you how you can get a, a group of prospects pretty quickly. If you'll ask the people that's in a class, do you know one person at work where you work that's not a Christian? Most of you will know one. Do you know a Christian where you work that's not involved in a church anywhere? What about your family? What about your friends? You'll find that there'll be one that they can uh, put on a list. Come up with five got 20 people, then you got got 100 prospects. Begin to pray for those and look for an opportunity to minister to. It'll be amazing how that those opportunities will just show up whenever you begin to pray for them and look for opportunities. One that I like to use and I've used for since 19 and the 1970s. I call it my five most wanted list. I pray for five people every day that I want to see go to heaven. When I have opportunities, I witness to them and share the message of Christ with them. Those are my five most wanted. Whenever I reach one of them, I put somebody else on the five most wanted list. I know of one church that did this. I shared it with them, and this lady would I visited in the church, and they was having a baptismal service. She leaned over and said, uh, that little boy up there that's going to be baptized next, he's one of mine. You know what she meant? That had been one of her five most wanted. I was at another event. And there's a farmer that the volunteer farmer came and was talking with her. And whenever he left, she said, he's one of mine. Folks, it'll work. Prayer, opportunities to share the faith works. I think every class should sponsor another class. And notice I didn't say split or divide. Those are bad words. But I think every Christian should reach 
a lost person for Christ. I think every Sunday school class should sponsor another class. I think every church should be involved in church planting. What I mean by sponsoring class, let me illustrate it this way. I was a pastor of a church, and uh, they met upstairs. The adult class did because they were too old to go downstairs. And so I asked them one time if I could start a class for young people, young couples. They said, sure. So there was a couple in the community that had been got a divorce. They were members of the Church of God Church. Well, the wife stayed at the Church of God Church, and her husband started attending our church. I went to him, and I said, Benny, I want you to do me a favor. He said, well, Pastor, if I can. I said, well, you can. He said, what do you want? I said, I want you to help me build a Sunday school class. And he said, I'm not even a member of the church. I said, that doesn't matter in Sunday school. He said, what do you want me to do? Show up. We began to talk about people we knew that were not involved in church. And it took about a year. But we had a class. We had a young couple that came in with leadership ability. And I asked them if the next year they would take over the class. They agreed to do that. I said, I'll take Benny. And there's two older couples that had joined. And these two couples. And we'll start another class down the hallway. Well, we went with the idea we were going to build another class. That was the purpose, build another class. Within six months, the second class was the largest class in the church. We, that class reached a single mom. And she came to me one day and said, you know, I love the people in that class, but say, yeah, I really have different needs than they have. Do you reckon it be possible if we start a class for singles? And I said, hey, Benny, I want you to go with this lady to start a, a class just to reach singles. I'll find you someone to teach it. So we started that class. One of the couples that we reached had already been a member of the church and got upset about something and were not attending. She came back, or the couple came back into the church and became active and in the Sunday school class. And she came to me and said, you know, I was a public school teacher until I retired. Is there any possibility I could be used in the children's department? What do you think I said? There's always you can use someone in the children's department. Her husband is now deacon in the church. I'm convinced that we do not start enough church, churches. We do not start enough classes. What we try to do is we'll watch that attendance record and whenever, and I've had churches that want to take people off the roll. Well, they're not coming. Take them off the roll. Well, work to get them there. That's why they're on the roll. And you focus on enrollment and if you'll get where only about 40% of your enrollment is coming, you'll have a growing church. Now then, let me challenge you. How many of you all know five people that are on their way to hell? Just lift your hand. Okay. 
Would you be willing to put those on a list and pray for them each day and look for opportunities to minister to them? Just to love them, let them know that God loves them too. And God will use you to love them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for opportunities to share about your work. We thank you for the teaching ministry. Thank you for those who in early in my life were my teachers. And the intermediate Sunday school teacher loved me enough that she told me about Jesus. And that he loved me. And that she loved me. Father, there are so many people that are hurt and broken in need of someone to love them and someone to care. And your people are to be that vehicle to share the love and the goodness of Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.